Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Crowning Moment. We're continuing on with our career series today. We have Maria, the podcast. Right, guys, so we're going to go ahead and have her in to the chat today. Hello, how are you? Hi, girl. I'm so good. And hello, The Crowning Moment listeners. Absolutely. Well, I'm super glad to have you. I know this has been an episode. Definitely. I know you've been waiting on this one um, and you have been tuning in for a while. So I'm super glad that we can finally catch up with each other. And let's go ahead and talk about what is the pageant gal coaching. Tell me a little insider of what that is and how you came up with it. Of course. So the pageant gal is my coaching business that I started back in 2019 to help women really be able to embody being the queen that they were meant to be having the skills in pageantry and also the purpose with service so that they can stand out amongst any competition, any crowd and be able to win the crown. And it started when a friend of mine approached me and asked me to start coaching her for her competition and someone who had never placed in a pageant. She was about in her late twenties, ended up placing in the top five at a national competition. So what we combine is confidence, mindset, and strategy so that you can really feel confident going into competition and actually being able to make the connection that stands out and wins every single time. So that's what we do. We have a variety of programs, courses, and one-on-one options that serve women all around the world. And I'm so happy to share so much more with you today. Absolutely. Okay. So Tell me a little bit about your journey. I know we heard from your intro we had today, but tell me a little bit, why did you even start in pageantry and, you know, what did it really do in the beginning for you? Yeah. So I started in pageants when I was 21 years old, I was in nursing school and I kind of found that my life became go to my part-time job, go to school, go home. And that was it. And I kind of describe it as like this tumbleweed effect where I was just in airplane mode doing whatever life was telling me to do. And I have this like wake up moment after coming home from vacation where I was like, this isn't me. Like, I just feel like I'm supposed to be more and do more. And I don't know if other people have this effect, like just this epiphany that they realize the life that they're living and what they're doing isn't really matching what they're actually meant to be doing. And so I didn't know what that looked like, but I decided that for a couple months, I was going to try new things and say yes to a bunch of different opportunities that included volleyball, going, you know, for walks in early in the morning at like 6am when I would never do that. And then two months later, I saw the opening for a pageant. And I remember thinking, this makes so much sense. This looks so exciting and so cool. Whereas before, when I would see pageants online in my area, I would think, oh no, like I can never do that. I would scroll right past the post, but this one caught my attention and I knew I had to enter. I just knew it. And it was a one day competition, right? Not like our month long, you know, international pageants, not like these other competitions that have a lot of different elements. It was one day that you show up and I ended up placing in the top three. And it broke down so much of these beliefs that I thought I had that I was just supposed to be a nurse. I was just supposed to do this or that. And it showed me, Maria, you were meant to do bigger things in life. And now that you've woken up to it, let's start living. Let's get started. So that's really where it began locally. I'm from Ontario, Canada, and it's grown so much from there. Um, All right. So with you being in Canada, I mean, obviously you've seen the U.S. is really big into pageantry. Um, Tell me a little bit about what Canada's pageantry scene looks like. We are much smaller, but we still have a lot of spirit in our competitions. And actually, I've noticed a huge like reawakening in the Canadian pageant industry over the last 
year with a lot of new like startup pageants in different areas that have to do with personality, tourism, business and entrepreneurship. So many more pageants growing in Canada. However, I noticed like the, this big block when it comes to Canadians placing and winning at the international level, especially when we're going up against, you know, countries that have so many resources like Philippines, USA, Venezuela. And this goes for any type of competition that I see, you know, women competing in, whether it's universe, grand earth, yet we have such amazing women. We have such amazing competitors. And so one thing I really love to do is help these women understand that it doesn't matter. We're from a, you know, not big sash factor country. We can still place and we can still win when you are not letting, you know, past factors or your own beliefs stop you from being able to place and win. And my, my favorite saying right now is like, when you're good, you're good. So I think everyone's going to be really surprised in the next couple of months and years at what Canadian pageantry is growing into and the different types of title holders we're going to start having hit these international pageants coming up. I do love that thought process behind it of, you know, like what can for you guys in Canada do to grow that sash factor? I like that word. That's a good word. Um, But showing, you know, in Canada, how are you promoting these you know, these women to like, okay, here's what Patrick can do for you. Like, what do you do as a coach to really promote them and to get them into the door? Just get them in the door to pageantry. The biggest thing is helping them realize that they have this service and purpose in them that the world needs. It's almost like you need to step into your bigger sense of leadership as a delegate and as a title holder, because somewhere in the world, there's somebody who's facing a very particular issue that is like waiting to connect with you and meet you and see you so they can be inspired. So they can realize that, hey, if she can do it, so can I, because there's really no reason why at 21, I am five foot two. That's like a huge claim of mine that I'm not super tall. I don't have like this, you know, winning pageant look that everyone thinks that there is. And yet I was able to start and win right off the bat and go up against these international competitors and win. And on top of it, start a business as well. When like we, you can't walk around anywhere in Canada and like walk into a pageant coaching business. Like I know you can do that in the States, but it's just not a thing here. So to be able to, you know, realize that I need to be doing this because this is such service for other women around me. There are women who need to understand that they are meant to win these titles and create a massive impact. And it's really about the purpose within that they're here to fulfill and that potential. And when you help someone unlock that for themselves, it's something you can't shake. Like it's hard to go back to your day-to-day reality, knowing that there's so much more waiting for you, whether it's with a crown and sash or on a stage speaking somewhere or starting your own business. Once you know that you're meant to do such bigger things, it's hard to go back and like live a smaller life or a play a smaller pageant game even. That definitely, right. Exactly how you said at the end of like deciding, you know, how do you, once you've gotten big, it's, it's hard to go back to the locals and start kind of all the way over from the bottom to the top. How, how do you coach these girls through that? If someone, you know, maybe getting that first row spot or maybe they're not even placing at all. Like, how do you help them mentally level set? Because at some point that can really be, I mean, detrimental to someone who is competing and is new, but there's also sometimes in pageantry, people do think that, you know, they wear the biggest crown that you've ever seen. It may be invisible, but they do wear it. And so it's how do you as a coach, you know, work them through that of, OK, let's baby steps here. Take it one step by step. How would you really help someone that, you know, may need to start at a different level than where they think they should be already with maybe just starting into pageantry? 
Yeah, a big field of work that I do with my clients is called queen energetics. And it has to do with the mindset and identity of being a queen, holding that for yourself, no matter what your external circumstances look like, whether or not you have the crown or not. And so what we do is help them create a reality, a day in their life that they feel like a queen when they show up every single day. So it's not reliant on you getting a crown or a sash or you getting a 10 out of 10 in your interview. It's not if people are messaging you every single day, you feel like a queen, which is this really like outside in approach that I know pageantry was kind of like birthed on because we have these judges We're we're all about this outside feedback. And so queen energetics helps you be able to feel like a queen from the inside out and really uphold the standard for yourself and trust and know that whether or not you see it around you, it's, it's not the outside that makes you the queen. It's how you carry yourself internally. And so that looks like having a service platform that you lead. And that's your mission that you have this impact that you're here to create. It has to do with, you know, letting go of expectations and thinking that you need to win because you don't need to win. Nobody needs a crown to do amazing things. I've arguably done massive things ever since, you know, my last 10 months of not having a crown and sash. So it's about managing expectations around needing a title and thinking that the title or the external factors make you a queen and doing the mindset and identity work and having this bigger purpose, which I think is with your platform and your service that makes you feel like a queen every single day. Because like you said, it's the mission you lead, whether or not you're actually wearing the crown. I do love that, especially... For anyone that's out there listening, I would like for you to give them a little bit of advice if they're trying to come up with that platform or maybe they're already doing that inner work to figure out what their purpose or service is that they are to give to the world. What is the best way for them to go ahead and get started with the idea of where do I even begin with all of that? Yeah, the biggest thing to start with is knowing what is an issue in the world or in your own life that you face or that you see around you, because it's okay if it's not a personal experience that you are really passionate about. And what I mean is like, it keeps you up at night, like you can't stop thinking about it. And you can't believe that it even exists. Because when there is an issue or a problem, you that you care about, you can then create the solution for it. And that's exactly what a platform is, in my opinion, it's seeing a problem that somebody or something in the world is facing, and saying to yourself, I'm going to advocate for this issue and for the people who are facing this issue. And then your service is going to look like what actions, steps can I take things can I do so that I can actually make an improvement with this issue, you don't have to solve the entire issue, right, whether it's mental health, climate change, bullying, you don't have to solve the entire issue. But what can you do with your own two hands with your own mind and heart, that you can help the people who are facing that issue. And again, when you realize that it could be your own personal experience, but who are the people who are facing that issue? And how can you help them? How can you reach them each day? When you're in this process of thinking about the issue, thinking about how you can apply a solution, who it's going to impact, your mind kind of goes out of like comparison mode with like your competition or everything else, because you're so focused now on doing Queen's work, which is creating impact in the community around you in the world around you. And so that's what I would start with is thinking about what are some issues that you're really passionate about? And which one would you say is the one that you're most connected with that you would want to start making an impact with today? And then find a way to go out and do that. You don't have to, you know, take 10 steps, just one step at a time. How can I improve this issue? Is it through a podcast? 
Is it through a community group, an event, fundraising? Do something each day to make that issue even just 5% better. Wow. I mean, that's an amazing explanation of that because some people never know where to start. I know growing up, you know, deciding on platforms, it always started with like the typical like, oh, like anti-bullying. Like as a child, I was really severely bullied. And so I wanted to talk about that, but it just seemed like everyone around me was talking about it. And it's, you know, how do you help your clients, you know, not compare themselves between themselves and the person next to them that may have a similar platform or they're doing something wearing the same outfit, how do you help them not compare themselves to anyone else that's out there? I think it's knowing what your own unique edge is because no one can replicate the things that you do. They're going to do it in their own way, just as you're going to do yours in your own way. So a huge way to know what your unique edge is, is through your story. Because even though two people's platforms might look similar, two people's stories will not look similar. And when you're sharing your story about bullying or somebody else is sharing their story, people connect with those experiences. And Who's to say that somebody else is sharing their story? They may be sharing their platform, but do they actually understand where it comes from? Do they have this bigger vision that they see with their service that they're able to communicate to a judge or to a director or whoever is sitting in front of them? So the first thing is knowing what your edge with your service is, which I typically find comes through an individual story. But what happens is when we live something, we don't think it's like unique or amazing. We're like, no, this just like happened to me when I was 10. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And that's what a coach can help you see. They can help you piece together those things that you don't see yourself because you're in the picture, you're in the frame. So it's hard to see the entire picture there. So that's the first thing. And then another big one, if nobody, if you took anything from this podcast in this episode and me, it's gratitude and celebrating yourself every single day. Your mind cannot be in comparison mode when you are expressing gratitude and appreciation for the things that you have in your life. It, it simply doesn't. And it's literally the medicine for doubt, judgment, and comparison. And so if you can make a habit of practicing these things each day, it's going to help literally rewire your brain to not look for things to compare, but instead be grateful for, you know, the body you have, the clothes that you have, how you're able to wear it, the fact that you're able to have these things and opportunities. It Gratitude makes you shine brighter. Again, even if everybody's wearing the exact same opening number dress, the way that your energy is and the way you carry and present yourself, that's going to be what a judge notices on stage. So when it comes to the pageant gal coaching, you know, run us through a little inside view of what a coaching session with you looks like. And if you have a team of people, what possibly that looks like with any other team members you may have. Of course, right now we are a team of one. I was just saying Yay. that we just <laughs> we just went full time as the pageant gal coaching. I'm a nurse as well, but I just stepped away from that to do this and support my clients even more. And so I am different than most coaches in the sense I work with my girls in packages and containers where we have daily chat support and one-on-one -on -one calls. So nothing gets left unnoticed. No question gets left unanswered. You have me in your back pocket every step of the way. And a big thing that we do is we also, we look at the strategy, but we look at your confidence in each area of scored competition. So I'm always asking my gals to tell me, you know, how confident are you feeling in this area on a scale of zero to 10? Are you feeling like a 10? If you're not there, what can we do to fill that gap? Because you can have all of the things in place. You can have the gown, the interview strategy, and not feel totally confident in your performance preparation or your performance. So we do both the outer strategy work to, you know, 
make sure that your gown matches you and it fits you well to make sure that you have your talking points and in interview, but we're also making sure we're filling any inner gaps of doubt and confidence so that you can put the strategy in place as well. So definitely looking over the scored areas of competition is a main thing. Of course, this is pageants. Like we can't avoid interview runway in those main areas that will help make you the winner platform and service. If you're not someone who wants to start your own platform, I'm probably not the coach for you because I see competitors who are especially first timers or women going to, you know, national to international or provincial state to national, the most successful ones, no matter what they look like or where they're competing, have a platform they're leading. And then the mindset work, which is what are the doubts that are taking you out of the game that are taking you out of the competition? How can we, again, reprogram those doubts help you step into your clean energy so you're not self-sabotaging at the competition and you can enjoy and you can compete and connect and ultimately win. I'm over here. If anyone's watching this on YouTube or wherever you're watching on, maybe this may end up as an Instagram reel. My face is like, yes, you're hitting every one of those check marks in my head where I'm like, thank goodness someone's saying it. And it's, you know, understanding that there is going to be doubt in portions of competition. You shouldn't expect when a client comes to you that they're going to be like, Oh yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm it. I'm I'm all glammed up. I'm ready to go. Because sometimes no matter how great they are, no matter how many titles they won, there is still that subconscious thought that likes to just eat at you. I mean, we're human. It happens. And you may be the most, you know, you may have that gratitude of like, I'm just so grateful for all of these opportunities. But sometimes there is that little bit of like, you know, what if, what if I don't win? What if, you know, what if I don't get the, you know, winning award for the evening gown or for the talent competition? You know, what if? And so I really do appreciate you hitting on that of, you know, even with the what ifs, you know, let's talk about it. You know, why do you think this? What possibility? Because then for you as a coach, that does give the availability to then dissect that situation. And you're like, okay, this is really triggering from this different response that may somebody had told you five years ago that you need to, you know, let's work through that. Let's get through it, you know. They may have said you were too big in a swimsuit and you're like, you are a completely different girl now than who you were then. Like, let's talk about it. And I want to ask you a little bit, you know, from working with many different coaches over the years. And I mean, I really respect everything you're doing here. You're doing some good stuff and you're not just getting it at surface level. You are definitely, you're not just snorkeling, like you're full on scuba diving with your clients. And I think that is something amazing that a lot of coaches really forget to do they get those top people clients and they're like, oh, you know, I've got my girls. And then they just have the others. You have, you know, taken time off of your job as a nurse to then come in to be, you know, one-on-one having that hundred percent dedication to your clients. And that is so amazing because not a lot of coaches and I'm not bashing anyone out there, but not a lot of coaches can say that because some of them do have a full-time job or if they do have the full-time job as the coach, they're not taking advantage of what these girls really are bringing to the table. And that's amazing stuff. You can learn something from everyone you speak to, whether they're five years old or 85 years old, there's always something to learn. Um, But I want to ask you some things like from my past experience with coaches of, you know, they do have those heavy hitter girls and you may not have one in a few years. You have some stuff you're dealing with, you know, know, are, how do you keep that in a level playing field of like making sure that all of the girls feel comfortable, even if you could be possibly working with their competitor as well? Yeah. So, and I've had clients that have worked with me for years and I think it's more about the progress that they're making and that they are how do I want to say this, that they're doing the work that they know that they're met and that they're improving. So I've had clients who one year they compete, especially when we're newer on, and they 
crumble after competition from not winning, like totally inconsolable. And then once the emotions die down, we look and we say, and this was earlier on years ago when I started coaching and I said, what's going on? What didn't, what are we missing? Why, why was the crown up on this pedestal? And you thought if you didn't get it, you're crumbling now, what were we missing? And it's because most women will come and they want to do strategy, strategy, strategy. And that's when I realized that we're missing that mindset piece. We're missing that energy piece of helping them own their worth beyond the crown. And so I still continue to work with those clients. They've worked with me for years. Some of them have still not won, but you know what? When they compete, it's no longer, I am a terrible person. I'm not meant for this. It's, this was such a great experience. This is what I learned. And this is what I would improve on. And they take full responsibility for their experience and for their results. They're no longer playing the victim. They're no longer looking at it as like a poor me or the pageant was rigged. It is truly, oh, I see. I see what happened here. I see what this gal did. I see what I could have improved on. How can I improve and progress and implement this for next year? And they don't make the whole entire experience about winning the crown. It's about being more of themselves, which is being the queen on the journey until you get the crown. And I have no doubt that even if they compete for several more years, that they will eventually get it because sometimes we can't control when the win will come we can't control these outer experiences we can only control ourselves and how we perceive the results and how we perceive our performance so a huge part of what I tell my girls who are competing who aren't winning and we just had a client win her uh, provincial pageant title she's going to nationals now and she didn't win for five competitions over the last year could you imagine if she stopped after like the fourth one and she was like no I'm done this is terrible it's not meant for me but no, she kept going and implementing and she won. So again, I think the bigger thing is manage your own expectations, take the crown off the pedestal, take full responsibility for your results and notice how you're progressing and how you're improving every step of the way. Wow. That, that was some good stuff right there. I'm sitting here taking out again. I'm just like, yes. Like if you're watching this episode, people can see my mouth is just like, yes, like, yes, I'm, I'm with everything you're saying here. Um, and you know, like you said, you're putting it on such a high pedestal. And sometimes, you know, at the end of the day, it's just metal and stones. It is just, you know, I can, I can make you a new one if it makes you happy, but you have to remember that doing pageantry isn't about that win. It is not about the new shiny sash or the new shiny hat you get to wear. It really is. What are you taking out of this? What are you really going and why are you picking that specific system to go into? You know, if you're going to do earth, miss earth, you're going in because you may have something that could better help the world or your platform really does have to do with, you know, recycling and making sure that we have a cleaner, better earth in the long run. Like you have things that are specific with pageantry. And so I want to ask you a little bit about when you're, you know, helping or, you know, consulting your girls on what pageant they should do next, you know, what, what is your way to look into that? I mean, there's a new pageant every corner you turn around, especially in the States. There's so many new ones coming out, especially with a lot of international systems. There are so many new ones popping up as well. You know, how do you help them really sift through and decide is this the pageant for you? And if so, you know, what do we need to know about it? And how do we really get the behind the scenes information of, is there anything crazy that's ever happened or, you know, phase a competition? Like, how do you help someone get through that, you know, idea process? 
The biggest thing selecting your next competition is I always say aligning with a system that makes sense for you. It's going to be a lot harder to win and excel in systems that don't really match your values. So like I said, I'm five foot two. I started competing at 21, which, you know, you said that you started competing at five. So people think 21 is such a late start, but I focused on competing in systems that aligned with my values, which from the get go, it had to do with personality, service, and speaking. So I entered systems that had title holders and scoring and experiences that highlighted those things. So all of the pageants that I've won did not have a swimsuit competition. It didn't have a big model on stage portion because personally, I just noticed the competitions that I competed in with those I was in the top 15, but I wasn't in the top five. I wasn't winning those pageants. And so deciding and reflecting what are your values? What are you really good at effortlessly? Like that you could go up against 100 people and you know you'd always be in that top five because this is your strength. And then what systems excite you that have similar opportunities for you? What could you go in that would help you expand and grow? Because I'm all about growth and going to another level. I don't want to go to something that's going to help me play safe and just be able to go and be like, oh, I know I'm going to win. Like, I want something that's going to help me expand and show me like, okay, Maria, what else you got? If this is your strength, how can we do this on a bigger level? What's the next step? And so that's when I found that I went to Royal International Miss. And again, they have your international role model Miss title or your Miss title, your divisional title. One is more stage-based, one is more service-based, and I won the international role model Miss title. And so it was important to me to go to a system where I could do both. And of course, that I was able to win the one that had to do with my beliefs and my values. So know what your values and beliefs are, find systems that excite you and expand you with their opportunities and with their competition. This has definitely been such an educational episode for those out there listening, especially people getting into pageantry or, I mean, as myself, I've been learning a lot from this of, you know, there are those important things that you need to know. What are your values are? Do they align with the system that you are currently going into, or you may already be a title holder for? And if they don't, we need a pageantry reality check because that may not in the long run be a good, you know, branding point for you or even a good look for you or maybe a personal that could cause an issue. Um, So I really do appreciate you telling us about that because that is something that I think a lot of listeners definitely needed to hear because there's so many different pageants coming up and it's really doing that inward looking of, you know, who am I, what am I, and what do I stand for? Because these are important questions that we need to be asking ourselves before making that final decision or putting down that deposit or even showing up for that weekend is this for me? And I really appreciate this episode. This has been truly amazing. So I I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And we've come to that point in the podcast where I like to ask everyone the same final question. So you ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. In what way has pageants positively impacted you and your career? To me, pageants have let me come home to myself and to the person I'm supposed to be without the way that society has told women that we have to be, which is usually go to school, get a job, have kids, run a household. Pageantry let me see that I'm so much more than those things and that I get to use my voice and my ambitions to make a difference, not only in my own life, but in my community and in the world around me. And so for anyone out there, I just think pageants add more sparkle to our life and they let us be more of who we're destined to be. And pageantry is growing Every single day, like we said, there's new systems popping up. There's women who are always looking to be more of themselves, to discover their purpose, to realize that they're 
a bigger piece in the puzzle of this world than they could even realize. So I implore everybody to continue going and continue being an asset in pageantry, whether you're competing, directing, volunteering, there's so many ways for you to be involved and stay involved and for you to be the woman that you were meant to be, whether it's as a competitor or as a queen. But I truly do think it gives us women this stage to be our most like queen identity self that other areas in life just don't always give us that opportunity to. So I'm so grateful for pageantry to leading me to being the pageant gal, a coach, a queen competitor, and for being able to just be in the space with so many other women desiring and doing the same thing. Mm, That is good stuff. This episode has been such an amazing one. I really do thank you so much for joining us today on Crowning Moment Podcast. But you know, guys, you never know what happens in the future. So I guess you'll have to check out next week on another episode of The Crowning Moment. Bye, guys.